This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. So we are continuing a, a series, a teaching series. So on the fivefold ministry, this is a teaching-focused series, focusing a lot on the bringing clarity on the things happening in the world. So understanding the times series. And this is like the broccoli side of a balanced diet. Okay, so you don't re- didn't really get excited necessarily about it, but you need it. Okay, your mom knows best, and she says, eat your broccoli. Okay, so that's what we are doing. We are eating our broccoli so we can be healthy. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about deception, how to cheat deceit. Anybody likes to be deceived? I'm sure you don't. But the truth is many people are deceived. I believe there's mass deception happening in our world currently. It's actually a a brilliant time to study deception. And so Jesus warned, take heed that you not be deceived. Take heed, be careful that you not be deceived. And in Luke 21 verse 8, Jesus responded and he said that deception will run Rampant with many who will appear on the scene saying, I have sent them, or saying about themselves, I am the Messiah. And then the doomsday deceivers will say, The end of the age is now here. But listen to me, don't be fooled by these imposters. I love that bit. I've never seen that before. This specific translation, a few other translations, actually speaks about doomsday deceivers. But the focus there is those who declare it is the end. Jesus says they are deceived. So Jesus is like, whoa, look at me now. Don't be distracted. Look me in the eye. Don't be fooled. And as I said a few weeks ago, uh, when we look at Matthew 24, Jesus said multiple times in, the, in Matthew 24, he spoke of two events. The one event he said, you will know when it's the end of Jerusalem, when the army surrounded that happened in 70 AD that was fulfilled in that first generation. But then the other part that when he returns, he said over and over again, you will not know. It will be like a thief in the night. You won't know when it's the end. And so here Jesus is saying the doomsday deceivers. So whether it is the global warming crowd or the prophetic crowd or whatever, they say, it is the end, run the other way, okay? Because Jesus said, only the Father will know when it is the end. So did Jesus speak the truth or did he not speak the truth? Only the Father will know except for these interesting prophets that are elite and special. No, you will not know God. Jesus declared it. So if we build our our lives on the word of God, then we need to understand that. Okay, so the doomsday deceivers, if they say it is the end, they said the time has come, it is simply not true. So I believe we live in an era of deception, and it's not only amongst unbelievers, but actually among believers as well. Uh, I feel like there are many Christians that are being deceived And so this is why we're doing this series, is to help you to understand what's happening in the world and to keep us out of deception as well. Okay, so to help you, and I was thinking yesterday again, why am I doing this to myself to tackle these awkward topics? And then I realized because I love people and I love Jesus. And so I'm going to bring the truth even if it's a little bit uncomfortable. So my disclaimer, there will be differing opinions about these things, whether it is now what happened with the prophets in the United States when they got it wrong about uh, Donald Trump's election, or whether it's COVID-19 vaccines, is it safe, is it not safe? I understand there are different opinions. But what I want to say is I want to call all of us to maturity. So yesterday, I had one of our guys in church send me a few messages about, but what about this? Vaccines now. What about this? And what about that? And oh, we need to run. You know, so we believe that uh, the COVID-19 vaccines are safe. And um, 
and does not. But what, I, what was good for me is to, with my interaction with him, is like we came to the conclusion, it was his suggestion, a year from now, we're going to have lunch. And the one that's wrong will pay for the other one's lunch. And I'm like, dude, cool. We, I, can, I can live with that because we're going to find out ultimately true or not true. But, but, we, but, you know, the question is, where are we positioning ourselves? We need to be more mature than issues. Our love for one another must be stronger than an issue. Okay, so that's number one. And then secondly, because I've now been evaluating myself like yesterday after these things again, and like, oh, it looks like this is a professional expert. And, and so I evaluate again my position. So... If I position myself in a place where I am accountable to the apostolic leadership team of Shofar, that's good. I'm walking in accountability. We had meetings. We valued the evidence. We came to the conclusion the vaccines seem to be safe. Then the National Council of Churches of South Africa that represent millions at a task team, they came to the conclusion it is safe. We are aligning ourselves with international ministries with decades of faithful witness and balanced ministry they are declaring it is safe then we position ourselves with experts internationally and locally who are saying all the data all the evidence the science-based evidence points to it is safe then all the peer-reviewed scientific journals and data all is saying it is safe so now if we have to now compare the two positions the one position is i am accountable with Faithful voices on multiple levels compared to, I'm going with one random guy on Facebook is saying, which one do you think is the safer position? <laughs> okay, so that's just one of the things. So accountability is a safe place to be. Come on, say accountability. Accountability. But specifically with voices and individuals who have a track record of faithful, balanced, biblical ministry. Okay, so that's one of the things I want to get to. So the, 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 the thing that's really challenging me about, I think, taking fringe positions is that it could damage our witness. And that's actually what I want to get to today. You know, ultimately, the main deal, the main thing is Jesus came and he died at the cross for lost souls. He shed his blood. He went through hell so that we could have heaven. Now, I am concerned that when we embrace fringe beliefs, that we position ourselves in a place where we actually push people away from Jesus. Because there goes the crazy Christians again. Now, that, that bugs me. That really bugs me. Because the main deal is the main deal. And when we make other things the main deal, we find ourselves in trouble. So our witness matters. Our witness matters. And I want to call us back today to maturity, to position ourselves outside of deception in a safe place, and to contend for our witness. Amen. Awesome. Let me pray for us and then we're going to get in. Father, we thank you for the truth. Jesus, you are the truth and the life and the way. And we pray, God, to this day that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts. Thank you, God, that you move us into maturity. Thank you, Lord, you move us out of deception. And thank you, Jesus, that your name be glorified in all the earth. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I was, I was reading in my research, as I spoke about a few weeks ago, specifically about vaccines. I was reading uh, you know, non-Christian things, and, and it was just interesting that the guys were commenting that if you want to find anti-vaccine people, they're normally Christians, and then normally people die. Children die. Like in the last 10 years, people die. So this is non-believers saying it is the Christians that take funny positions and then people actually die. And then it's like they, they, they don't know what to do with it. You know, so ultimately you and I, we are witnesses. That's what we are. You are a witness for Christ. Either you are drawing people closer to Jesus or you're pushing people away. Now a witness, 
like in a court of law, is someone that needs to testify of what really happened or what is truth. Now, if you destroy the credibility of the witness, then you, they're not going to receive the testimony. And I believe that's one of the things that the enemy is doing right now. He's trying to destroy the witness of believers so that the world will say they're a bunch of nuts, flakes, and fruits. And they run the other way, you know. And we have to ask ourselves, whatever I believe, whatever I proclaim, whatever I share, whatever I stand to, this is the truth. Is this adding to my witness or is it destroying my credibility? That is massive. Okay, so there's safety and accountability. And I've not, now one of the things that I've been evaluating over the last few months is what's happened in, in the United States, in the U.S. elections. Now, for me, that is a good example of mass deception. So we had a, you know, in, in their politics as well. So a large number of Christians supported and still probably support Donald Trump. So they were strong supporters, and I can understand why. Because he was standing for um, freedom of religion. He was promoting a lot of good, really good and Christian policies. I mean, I was like, yeah, go Trump. Here, iemand pak, lekker. You know, he was like a bulldozer. He was like a bull in a china shop. And uh, some people really enjoyed it. Now, obviously, he had at times a real lack of wisdom. And it was abrasive and ungodly in terms of his behavior and the results of it. But he was a champion to Christian causes. And so many Christians like, yes, you know, um, let's back him. Let's stand with him. But now what happened was at, at the end of the term, of his term as president, things really got weird. And even before it, if you look at the, how the prophets were prophesying, I mean, respected prophets, there were guys that, I mean, I follow, and they prophesied in 2015 or around there when, when Trump was still just one of 15 Republican candidates, they prophesied that he's going to be president. And he was. Some other guys prophesied in 2006, 7, 8 that Trump will be president. So it seems like, yes, God was possibly in it. But now, when it came to the second election, it was like the prophets were declaring multiple, I mean, scores of prophetic people were prophesying, declaring Trump's going to win again, consecutive uh, election. Um, Biden w- wouldn't be a, a day in. Uh, as president, and he's going to win, he's going to win by a landslide, and it's, you know, and that was what was prophesied. So now comes around 3rd, 4th of November, and he loses. But now everybody's like, no, no, but there are prophetic words about the Supreme Court, he's going to win in the Supreme Court. And so, so some of the prophets were apologizing already, like, you know, the one guy that I follow, he apologized, said, guys, I was wrong, and everyone's like, no, don't, we're still going to win, we're still going to win. Okay, so he retracted his apology. And then the process continued. So they believed there was election fraud. And they went to court after court after court. Then they went to the Supreme Court. They lost it all. Now, my opinion is there was a measure maybe of election fraud, but not enough to turn the election around. Bottom line, he lost. The prophet said he's going to win. And there was no qualifying factor that if Trump, then he will win. It was just like Trump is going to win consecutively. And now what was happening is like people were still believing he's going to win. And then this whole delusion thing happened where they're like, no, no, it's lost. No, it's not. No, it's but on, on, on this date, it's going to, he's going to win. And no, no, it's like in, on inauguration day, then suddenly he's going to be the president. And then after that, no, 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 4th of March, that is when he is going to actually something profound is going to happen and things are going to, no, <laughs> it's delusion. It didn't happen. Biden is the president. But there are still people like, no, but Trump won. He's the president in the spirit. No, he's not. He lost. Face the facts. Face reality. He lost. You were delusional. The prophets were wrong. So now what happened? How do we handle that? Well, number one... (laughs) The, number, the f- first point is basically there, there was mass delusion. People believed one thing and, and something else happened. 
So some are saying, no, but the election was stolen, so the prophets are still right. No. (laughs) If you prophesy in the name of Jesus that something's going to happen, and there's no qualifying factor like Jonah going to Nineveh, if you repent, not judgment. But if you prophesy in the name of Jesus without a qualifying factor, it doesn't come to pass. Is God wrong? Or are you wrong? You are wrong. And so you need to test. I mean, that's what, what the word of the word, every prophecy, every dream, whatever someone proclaims, test the spirit behind it. Is it truth or is it not? In 1 Corinthians 14, it says that when there's in a church environment and there, so each prophet or prophetic person comes and brings a word. So you, one bring, two bring, then it says the rest of you judge. Is that God or is it not? I want to give you license today to judge in a godly way, to evaluate, to discern is something of God or is something not of God? Because if we don't do it, we will find ourselves in a place of deception. Okay, so what happened? We're going to get into that. But what I do pick up in terms of mass delusion, if there is a mixture of fear and hatred and conspiracy theories and then false prophecy, you have the perfect mix for deception. That was happened with the elections, fear, Hatred, demonizing of the other side. I mean, Christians would speak of the the Democrats as demon rats. Christians, demon rats. They are evil. They are like Lucifer. They are satanic. Is that what Jesus called us to? To despise and hate and demonize? Even if we, we, we can still not agree about policy and about what we see as right and wrong. But do we demonize people? Do we hate? Do we despise do we embrace conspiracy theories that are no, no, no evidence for as they did? The one thing called canon or Q. There was this crazy, crazy conspiracy theories. Basically slandering the other side. Is that what Christians do? Do we descend to that level when Jesus said, love your enemies? Love those who hate you? Do good to those who use you? Bless those who curse you? And it just seemed like somewhere things got weird. And it's the same thing that I am seeing with the whole anti-vaccine drive. There's fear and then there's conspiracy theories of everybody scheming. And then false prophecy. I mean, last week seeing prophecies of people saying in the name of Jesus, Jesus showed them that these vaccines are of the devil. Can I say it straight? That is false prophecy prophecy that is not of God that is abusing the name of Jesus Christ and causing confusion so when I received these some of these things yesterday again so I evaluated some of the things that somebody sent me and I looked at the one lady that's supposed to be an expert on vaccines well she wrote a book in 2006 that was anti-vaccines all vaccines anti-vaccines I'm sorry then you come with a bias to the current vaccine challenge then the other guy as a respected uh, Seems to be a respected guy, but he's one voice. And so I phoned a family friend of mine, a family member. She owns a company in, in Cape Town, a, a, a company that does studies, same with the Pfizer vaccines. They give hundreds of people the vaccines and they test them and they evaluate them. And they, uh, over time, a period of 18 months, they keep on following up with people. So I phoned this family friend and I asked, okay, Talk to me. <laughs> is it true? These accusations that it changes your DNA and it does this and it's actually dangerous. And she said, no, there's no this, the scientific data, the things that they check, no adverse effects. And then she says that she, I mean, they read the, the, the journals, peer-reviewed journals like the Lancet and British Medical Journals, etc. And there's no scientific evidence, no data saying these things are dangerous and it's going to do all these things to you. It's, it's rubbish. So she said to me, I back you guys <laughs> fully. And then she said she believes the anti-vaccine should be locked up because <laughs> people are going to die. <laughs> People are going to die. So one voice on Facebook or social media without being peer-reviewed 
doesn't count. Hey, they, they said, beware of the sound of one hand clapping. That's one opinion, but not the other side. Not peer-reviewed. Not multiple professionals looking at the whole thing. If the data changes, if the science changes, if there's things pointing to it's dangerous, then we change. We make a new opinion about it. But anyway, so I am looking forward to my lunches with people. <sighs> Hopefully it's going to be free lunches for me. But uh, we, will, we will see. <laughs> But the bottom line is our relationships are more important. But then secondly, where are we positioning ourselves? Accountability is the key. There's safety in accountability. Come on, say safety in accountability. I have so many people coming to me, medical professionals coming to me, thanking me for taking a stand on what we believe is the truth. Everything, everything is pointing to it. So this one young man, on, he, he shared online that he, during the election time, he went to his family who are not Christians, and he told them that Donald Trump is going to win because the prophets have spoken. So he's like, mark my words, God is with him. This will be evidence that, that God is true. Now he says, now, he's, now after this, he is so confused. And his family will probably never listen to him again. See, that destroys our witness. We can't do it. The prophetic ministry in the United States, and I think worldwide, is in a crisis right now. To actually evaluate what the heck was that? What is going on? There needs to be quite a bit of searching of the hearts. And I have huge respect for the men who humbled themselves and owned it and said, Guys, I am sorry. I missed it. I don't know exactly why, but I missed it. But do you know the response of the Christians after people repented and apologized? Some guys got death threats from Christians. Death threats saying, you're the prophet of God. You can't make a mistake. You shouldn't be repenting. It's the word of God. Trump has won. Sure. No. (laughs) Repent. Humble yourself. Be accountable as I am. I will humble myself. Any, if I prophesy in the name of Jesus and I'm wrong, I must humble myself and apologize. What about you? What about each one of us? Are we willing to own what we believe, what we promote, what we share on social media? Because you need to own it. You need to, for the sake of our Christian witness, own it. But I was just shocked how Christians responded. So this is what I'm seeing. The gift of discernment which is a gift from God that helps you and me to discern between right and wrong. It's of God. But if you have the gift of discernment anointed with fear or hate, it leads to a spirit of suspicion, and then it leads to deception. And this is what I am seeing with multiple things. Fear, conspiracy theories, false prophecy, mass delusion. And do you know what we do ultimately as Christians? In Afrikaans sê hulle die beste. Ons slaan ons naam met a plank. Met a plank. <laughs> we look like fools. And I'm willing to look like a fool for Jesus for the truth, but not for something that is not the truth. So let's get back to the main deal. Let's get back to the main thing. And ask ourselves, am I a good witness for Jesus? My lifestyle. Am I a good witness for Jesus? So, I mean, it's an interesting and and extremely sad story of what happened in Rwanda, 1994. I'm sure you know about it. 98% of the population, church-going Christians. But they were stirred up with fear and hatred by their leaders and the media, the politicians and the media. And that led the Hutsi tribe to slaughter their own neighbors. 500,000 to 600,000 Tutsis were slaughtered in 100 days with pangas. Uh, the, the Hutsis called the Tutsis cockroaches and snakes. Hatred was stirred up with fear, led to deception and then incredibly ungodly behavior. I mean, I'm sure you've maybe seen some of the repentance over the following 10, 20 years, how, how neighbors cry together where they have to repent for this one killing this one's 
parents or this one's brother. Or it was horrific. So this is serious. It is very serious when we as believers allow fear and hatred into our hearts. You will be deceived and you will do stupid. Let's not do stupid. Let's cheat deceit. Amen. Come on, say it. I'm going to cheat deceit. Amen. Okay, so the book of Revelation. I've been reading through the book of Revelation. And, uh, you know, you get two kinds of people. Those who can't get into the book and those who can't get out of the book. (laughs) So it's quite a challenge. But one of the, the keys of the book is that it's, you know, you have earthly reality and then it's like a, 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 a curtain is drawn away to reveal to us what is happening in heaven and how God sees what is happening on earth. So it's God's perspective on what is actually going on. It's full of symbols um, that people sometimes battle to, to uh, understand. Now, the main thing, the book of Revelation is about the revelation of Christ. That's what it's about. It's about Jesus. And if I, as I read through the book of Revelation, there's one thing that stands out for me, and I believe that's one of the primary messages of it. I see worship. I see incredible scenes of worship in the throne room, millions and millions worshiping Jesus. And then I see these other things where the Antichrist or the beasts or the, these other, uh, ultimately Lucifer, the devil, desiring to be worshipped by mankind. And I believe that is the, what the real battle is about. The fight for worship. Who's going to be worshipped? Who's going to be worshipped? Will it be the, the, the image of the beast? Or will it be Jesus himself? So, look at this. Revelation 19, verses 6 to 9. And connected to this is this. Who or what you worship will either define or destroy your witness. Who or what you and I worship will either define or destroy our worship. Worship and witness, it's connected. When we worship Jesus, we'll have a good witness. When we worship other things, we will find ourselves in trouble. So this is a beautiful passage of what is going to happen one day. It says, Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd, or the roar of mighty ocean waves, or the crash of loud thunder. John the Apostle hearing this. And it says, and they, he heard, Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice. Let us give honor to Him, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and His bride has prepared herself. Are we preparing ourselves for, for, for the bridegroom? Or are we being deceived and corrupted? Verse 8. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are true words that come from God. Finest of pure white linen to wear the the holiness, the purity of the people of God, the one component, but then all coming before the bridegroom, the wedding feast. That is ultimately what it's about. It's about connecting people with Jesus. Now, the enemy desires to deceive us. The enemy desires us to become so weird that no one in the world can relate to us, to disconnect us. That's the one component. So weird, so deep and so weird that no one can relate to us. Another component to corrupt us to the level that we just, we become like the darkness, that the light isn't shining anymore, but ultimately a corrupted witness. That's what the enemy wants to do. And so you and I are called to witness to Christ. Mark 16 verse 15 Representing the Great Commission, it says, And then he told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Go into all the world, preach. That's the main deal. Be a witness. The way you live, the way you worship, bring integrity and credibility to the message of Christ because of the way that you live. You know, and I've I've always just had an understanding of this. So I've always like, but, but what will this look like? 
Will this bring somebody closer to Jesus or will it push him away? So years ago in Cape Town, we uh, built a house and we had Muslim builders building the house. And these guys were schemers. And they were cheating and scheming and the plan said you should be doing this. And then they would put other things in. And man, I was psyching up for one huge fight. And then I just realized, but let yourself be cheated, Andre. <laughs> Let, let them take it. I am not going to throw my Christian witness out the door by acting like an idiot. Let them take the money. That's fine. Jesus said it multiple times, let yourselves be cheated. Who cares about money? Who cares about earthly things? The ultimate is heavenly. Reaching somebody for Christ. Loving your enemies. So... I made a decision, I'm gonna, I want to be a good witness for Jesus. So the, 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 the deception causes us to bring damage to our Christian witness. I was speaking to a, a young man recently, and he was sharing with me how his family members are, who are committed Christians, but they are so weird. They're embracing all the weird conspiracy theories and around the vaccines being the mark of the beast and and he's just like, he doesn't know what to do with this. It's freaking him out. He doesn't want to be a Christian anymore. <laughs> because that's, if, I've, if, 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 if that is what it means to be a committed Christian, because they're more committed than he is, then I don't want to be a Christian. And that, that, that freaks me out. Why are we embracing things that are pushing people away from Jesus? No, man. So in Revelation 7, verse 9 to 12, we see the fulfillment of the Great Commission. We see this beautiful picture. It says... After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, beautiful, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. Verse 10, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation. They have been saved and they are proclaiming salvation belongs to the Lamb. He's the Savior of the world. In verse 11, all the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God. Saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Are you seeing the worship? And the salvation and the nations coming to Christ. But deception disconnects us from the truth. So as I said in the book of Revelation, I see another being worshipped. The, the, the image of the beast. And, and I was like, man, what could be the image of the beast? Could it be a statue like it was, was with Nebuchadnezzar? And I was like, bow or die. I'm like, no, that's not going to make sense. One statue, the whole planet bowing before a statue, not going to fly. Then I'm like, well, is it organizations or is it a government or is it a specific religion? I'm like, no, there's, there's too many. Not everybody's at this moment. There's not one thing. And then I was like, maybe it's the one thing I could think that, that's relevant for everybody is like screens. Maybe it's all our phones or our tablets or our TVs. Maybe we're going to, we're worshiping entertainment. And I'm like, no, it also doesn't quite make sense. And then I thought, but what if, what if the image of the beast is actually the worship of self? What if the image of the beast, maybe one day it's going to be something else, but what if ultimately we will, the, the, the bowing happens when, when we worship self? And that just made sense to me. So I went to Isaiah 14. As you see, here, there's a, a passage that speaks about Lucifer, who was the, 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 the lead worshiper in heaven. They, they, some believe he was like the worship leader in heaven. Imagine that. I mean, the worship leader, worshiping God. And then he began to worship himself. Led a rebellion, and all hell broke loose. So look at Lucifer being described. It says in verse 12, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. 
For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. But I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. And I will be like the most high. I. Come on, say I. I. What if the, the worship of the beast or the image of the beast is actually the worship of self? What if that is the biggest temptation for all of us right now? You see, the Luciferic spirit or the Antichrist spirit has always been about self, exalting self, pride, rebellion, me, myself. The worship of self, the spirit of Christ has always been about dying to self, laying down self, taking up our cross and following Jesus, esteeming others higher than self. So that's just for me like the worship leader. And then he begins to worship self. That is just wild. And I believe that is the temptation right now that will lead to deception. All across the world. So deception is anchored in the worship of self, I believe. It's saying, I will do my own thing. It is saying, I will not be accountable to others. I know better. And thirdly, I won't follow God's word to love, to submit, to honor, to bless. Uh, The one guy was like posting after I posted the message on, you know, vaccines and and believing it's safe, etc. So there was one guy that posted, and he was just like, oh, you know, Christians are so weak, you know. It's all about submission, you know, and just going with the flow, you know. And like, like, really? <laughs> no, no, submission and humility, that's powerful. Anybody can rebel. Anybody can hate. Anybody can despise. That's easy. But to humble yourself. And to choose to not hate and despise and to not rebel, that is powerful. That is being powerful. But it's like being mocked. Like, oh, you pathetic people. Can't you stand up for yourself? No, nonsense. The worship of self or the worship of God, what is it going to be? You see, in 2006-07, I experienced a serious, serious deception in my life. I believe God spoke to me. I believe something specific will happen on a specific date. I proclaimed it. People followed me, believed me. It didn't happen. Didn't happen. People got hurt. People were confused. People were, I had to, it was one of the worst things that's happened in my life. I was removed off off the, I didn't preach for three months. I was ultimately demoted to administrative job. Uh, It was for, for, for a few years. It was really, really tough, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. You can ask my wife because I didn't listen to her. I didn't listen to my leaders. I pride in my heart. I was like, I know better than the God-ordained leadership over my life. I know better. They're not as spiritual as I am. I am the prophet with the power for the hour. The next up-and-coming guy. (laughs) I had arrogance and pride in my heart. It was a disaster. So God set me up. said, okay, let's see how this plays out. Deception. Deception connected to the worship of self. We say it's for Jesus. No, no, it's actually for yourself. Your image, your influence. That is, I believe, the test of our era for preachers, for worship leaders, for all of us. And that's where I learned, man, I never want to be deceived again. That is where I learned to get accountable to others around me. I am more accountable now in my 40s than I've ever been in my life. I listen. I listen to respected voices with a track record of good fruit. If I don't see that, (laughs) no, (laughs) not going there. Okay, so let's take it one step further. Mark chapter 8, verse 15. This is Jesus' warning about deception. And he says, then he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So he highlighted two leavens or small influences that corrupt the whole thing. 
And then I, I'm reading through the book of Revelation, and then I see these beasts arise, one out of the sea and the one from the land. And the one out of the sea seems to be like military might or governmental power. And the other one seems to be like religion, false prophet, false religions. And I'm thinking, well, maybe the two beasts are these two spirits, the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod, the political spirit and the religious spirit. And I believe if we come under the influence of either a religious spirit, which is all about your image, looking good, but behind the scenes you're a hypocrite, double life, or political spirit, influence, power, money, finance, control, you will find yourself in trouble. So one of the guys that I follow is called, his name is called Michael Brown, and he's a teacher, teacher, he's a cultural um, communicator in, in, in the U.S. and the radio show, and, he, and, and he's, a, he's a brilliant, solid guy. He's in the charismatic Pentecostal church world. He's respected as a man of integrity and someone that people look to to bring correction into the body of Christ. Amazing, humble, faithful, biblical man, like 40 plus years of good fruit. And I follow him on many of the, these things, and he helps to, to get understanding about things. So one of the things that he has said is that the Christian spirit and the political spirit is a bad mix. When you mix the two, you will find yourself in trouble. So here's a quote from a guy, Ivan Ball. He said, a politician is a person who can make waves and then make you think he's the only one who can save the ship. So remember that. That's what politicians do. They freak you out, like, but I have the answer. Another guy, Machiavelli, said, politics have no relation to morals. Anything goes. So that's why Christianity and politics don't mix so well. Although we should be involved in politics, we should be involved in government, the light of Christ should shine there, but we should not descend to the level of the political spirit. Then H.L. Mencken says, the whole aim of practical politics is to keep the populace alarmed and hence clamorous to be led to safety. By menacing it with an endless series of hobgoblins, goblins, all of them imaginary, or at least mostly imaginary. So Michael Brown says the following quote, Obviously, many of our concerns are hardly imaginary. But when it comes to the almost hysterical rhetoric from each party, Mencken was hardly exaggerating. He says that's in 2020. Both the Republicans and Democrats warned that the last election was about the future of the democracy. And if the other party was elected, our democracy would be forever doomed. Only Trump, no, Biden, no, Trump, no, Biden can save us. The political spirit, again, in the negative sense of the word, stirs up anger and hatred and division and ill will. How much more opposite could it be to the Christian spirit? So evaluate yourself. Evaluate yourself. Even in our South African context, I pick up so much hatred, at times racism, where we lose our Christian spirit because of influence by political spirit. Don't fall for it. Let's be better than that. Don't allow this enemy to pollute and to politicize us. Amen. The leaven of Herod. Don't Fall for it. Religious spirit and political spirit influencing people. And so now I want to get to this verse. I believe this is the root cause of why the prophets got it wrong in the United States. And I believe this is a word for all of us. A warning. Ezekiel 14 verse 1 to 6. I believe it's one of the scariest passages in the Bible. It says... Now some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat before me. They came before Ezekiel the prophet. These are the leaders of Israel. Verse 2, and the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts and put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. Should I let myself be inquired of at all by them? Verse 4, therefore speak to them and say to them, thus says the Lord God, everyone of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity and then comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him who comes according to the multitude of his idols. So what it's saying is, if you have an idol in your heart, if you're worshiping something else, God is going to answer you according to your idol. 
like what happened to me. I had an idol in my heart of influence, of being the prophet with the power for the hour. And the Lord set me up and I was deceived and it was a complete catastrophe. Because <laughs> Jesus wanted to get my heart back. I was corrupted. And I think this is, this is the greatest challenge. If you come to God, but you've already made up your mind. <laughs> I want this. I want this job because it's more money. And actually you've got an idol of money, following money in your heart. Well, you're going to hear from Jesus. He's going to tell you, take the job. And it might be a stuff up. You might find yourself divorced five years down the line. But then Jesus said, well, welcome back. I want your heart. I want your heart. Or you say, man, I really want to marry this guy. I want to marry that lady. We often see this, but you're not willing to listen to accountable voices. You're not willing to obey the scripture that says, no, you should not um, get involved with an unbeliever in terms of marriage. Unequally yoked. But you say, no, 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 I don't want to hear that. I want this relation. This is my everything. Guess what? Next time you open the Bible, the Bible, the Word of God, God's going to tell you, go for the relationship. It's your idol. Because you're worshiping the idol, you're not worshiping Jesus. I know, it's scary. It's freaky. It's not nice. But it's still the truth. God wants your heart and He wants no competition, no other, nothing else. There should be no competition. So look at verse 5. Oh, the first, but last, but they says, I, the Lord, will answer him who comes according to the multitude of his idols. I'm going to speak as you want to hear. Verse 5, that I may seize the house of Israel by their heart, because they are all estranged from me by their idols. God is saying, I'm going to allow it. I'm going to allow the action that's coming because I want your heart back. Now, for me, the scariest thing is when people hear things from God and it's not God, and they never wake up to the reality of it. They continuously say, but God said to me this, but it was a disaster. It was a complete mess. That is not Jesus. If it was God, it would be good fruit. If it was God, something good would come from it. But it was a complete mess. That is not Jesus. Repent. Humble yourself. Turn from the deception. That's what I had to do. You know, I remember when the date came out that I was believing this is going to happen on this specific date. Then there's something on the inside like maybe it's next year, this date. I, I believe that there would be an earthquake in Cape Town on a specific date. I was reading books about prophets prophesying about specific natural disasters happening. It would be a sign. Uh, man, specific date. Date came, nothing, not a tremor, nothing, not even a cup, nothing, nothing. <laughs> so I had a good laugh now because I was like, maybe it's the next year. And then about a year ago, there was an earthquake in Cape Town. I'm like, oh, I'm just 14 years out. <laughs> no, you were wrong, Andre. You were wrong. <laughs> but there's this, 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 this temptation to hold on to it. No, I am right. No, you are wrong. Humble yourself. You are wrong. Humble yourself. So that you can be delivered, so that your heart can turn back to God. Therefore, verse 6, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, repent, turn away from your idols, and turn your faces from all your abominations. And I believe that is a word to the Christian church right now, all across the world. Repent. Repent of idolatry. Repent of, you know, for me, I was reading this book by, by Jeremy Riddle called Reset. And it's brilliant. Now, he's a, he's a well-known worship leader, but he's got such a passion for purity and, and, and call, calling the bride of Christ to purity. And he says in the book that he is concerned for the worship movement in America, that it, is, it, it has been corrupted. It has compromised. I mean, in the history of the world, we, we haven't had so many beautiful songs and so many beautiful things happening. But he says there's idols. There's something wrong. He says the worship leader might be standing there and leading people into worship, but he's worshiping himself. Or he's leading the people in worship, but they are not worshiping Jesus. They're worshiping the rock star worship leader. Or worshiping the influence or worshiping the, the, the impact. And he was just sharing, man, I was reading, listening to his book, and I was just like weeping, repenting, because it's not just the worship leaders, it's the church leaders. 
And it's not just the church leaders, the people in the pews. We're worshiping self. We're worshiping influence. We're worshiping positions and power and money and, and, and comforts and entertainment. We're worshiping a whole bunch of other stuff. Worshiping popularity. Worshiping size of ministry. Worshiping other things. What are you worshiping? Who are you worshiping? Is it really Jesus? Is it really Jesus? Are we truly laying down our lives for Christ? Jesus is all for you. And every time I need to preach a challenging word from you, I die a little bit. Because it's going to freak somebody out. <laughs> and there's the idol. I want the church to grow. No. <laughs> I want Jesus to be close. Challenging me over and over again. Are you kingdom minded? Are you, are, you, are, you, are you a man of the kingdom? Or are you a man of the kingdom of self? What are we going to be? And this is continuously dying to self that God is calling us into. So this is my summary of why I believe the prophets got it wrong. Very quickly, five things. Just put it on there. I believe it was the idols in Christians' hearts. They so want Trump to win, so the prophets prophesied accordingly. Or maybe it was in some of the prophets there were idols in their hearts. Man, if I get this right, national, international platform, influence, Political spirit, number three, leaven of Herod, political spirit influencing. Number four, maybe just getting involved in all the media fighting and everything, getting influenced by that. Or number five, just really wanting him to win because he might bring a moral revolution to, to America. But maybe Jesus is upset with the church in general for shifting their trust from the gospel to people, to government. To individuals, to famous people, like they're gonna save us. No, Donald Trump is not our savior. No politician can be our savior. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing that's gonna change the world. So, to summarize, the three things how to cheat deceit. Number one, wholehearted devotion to Jesus. Lay down everything else your career, your dreams, everything. Lay it down. Jesus, I'm not going to worship that. I'm going to worship you. This amazing thing is, you know, there have been times in my life where I heard the voice of God correctly. Beautiful moments, but I had no agenda. I didn't even ask God about it. And in a time of worship and intimacy with the Lord, he spoke to me and he told me this is going to happen. Within a year and a half or two years, exactly it happened. I believe in the power of prophecy. But I've been there where there were idols in my heart. And then I missed it. So let's deal with those things. Wholehearted devotion to Jesus Christ. Number two, keep the main thing the main thing. Our witness is more important than secret knowledge, conspiracy theories, or anything else that will kill our credibility. Keep the main thing the main thing. Be a faithful witness to Jesus. And then number three, walk in accountability. Walk in accountability. Allow people to speak into your life. Ask people to speak into your life. Position yourself in a place where people can speak to you. And I believe that's how you and I are going to cheat deceit. Who or what you worship will define or destroy our witness. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.